time for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. More talking truth about America. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. It's our first Sunday of the month. So we have our Millennial Roundtable. I'm joined tonight by Matt Van Hefty and Drew Wicker. Millennials they are, college students actually. So here I want this is my top of the hour question. And you'll each we might have to take a little longer for this because I want to set it up. But as of this coming Tuesday is a deadline that was set by several attorneys general in this country, 10 attorneys general, to President Trump to essentially say they are going to file a lawsuit unless President Trump withdraws or cancels or rescinds, whatever word it is, President Obama's executive order relating to DACA, D-A-C-A, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. The short story is this. President Obama issued a completely, unquestionably unconstitutional executive order. It was essentially something he couldn't get through Congress, and so he just did it himself via executive order. And the executive order said, if you are, it had certain criteria, but if you were, you entered this country illegally as a child, so you were brought here as a child, you didn't, you know, you weren't old enough to know you were crossing a border illegally. But you really have no legal status to be here. It granted them, it blocked them from uh, potential deportation and gave them a legal status in America. So DACA students, DACA people, there are now 800,000 people in America who have registered under DACA. So they have a legal right to be here, although they don't have citizenship or a status. So they really shouldn't have any legal right to be here except for President Obama's uh, illegal executive order, unconstitutional executive order. So the state's attorneys general, including our own wonderful Ken Paxson here in Texas, have told President Trump if he doesn't get this, if he doesn't, as he promised, in fact, Trump promised on the campaign trail day one, I'm going to, he called them the illegal amnesties. I'm going to undo the illegal amnesties by President Obama, including this one, DACA, which would mean all these people who registered now no longer have a legal right to be here and are not protected against deportation. So Trump has got to decide by Tuesday, is he going to is he going to undo DACA and make all these people here illegal or is he going to um, extend it or just ignore it and let the lawsuit happen? But the other element that's happened is Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, who has he doth speak with forked tongue. He has stayed many, many, many statements all over the place about what he thinks about this. But today what he's saying is if President Trump, um, he, pre, he's saying President Trump should not rescind, should not cancel DACA, that Congress should take it up and fix it in Congress. So this, my friends, is the question. I don't know who wants to go first. Should Trump cancel DACA? Um, oh, Matt. I'll, I'll take it. I mean, I think um, this is, you know, this is, very hairy situation for President Trump here. I mean, you have um, obviously the executive order is unconstitutional, and yes, he should um, rescind it 100%. I mean, in order to follow law here, we're a country of law and order. Civilizations do not exist unless we have law and order. And um, of course, it, it's 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 a hairy situation, like I said, because I mean, these are 800,000 students and children or, or young adults now. And they, they, uh, Speaker Ryan has mentioned that these people have only known, really, the United States in their lives here. And to kind of take that away, you know, you have to consider whether will they be better off with going back to wherever they came from or will they be better off here but, you know, living here illegally. But you have to remember that, you know, there's plenty, there's thousands upon thousands of people trying to do it the legal way and standing in line trying to get in. So maybe these 800,000 students and children and young adults and now adults even 
should go into that line. They should, you know, follow the law. So Trump should let Congress work on this for a month or he should just cancel it? Trump, you know, should rescind it and then probably promise a comprehensive immigration plan to cover this as well as many other issues that are facing it. Drew. Yeah, just to tag on to that, to me, this is a very black and white issue. Trump has a responsibility to deliver on a campaign promise to the American people, and he also has the responsibility to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. We're bound by the Constitution. It was an unconstitutional executive order, and it needs to be repealed. If it's not repealed by him and he chooses not to rescind it, then I guarantee you whenever Ken Paxton files that brief uh, and it goes to the Supreme Court, it will be repealed then. So it's not a question of if DACA gets repealed. It's a question of how and if President Trump chooses to do the right thing. And to Speaker Ryan's point, I do agree that it is a situation that Congress should fix. This should have been addressed a long time ago. They have a responsibility to fix immigration, and it needs to be fixed now. And I think that that requires everybody coming together to find a comprehensive solution to this. And it it should include figuring out what to do with those people in DACA. And, you know, regardless of whatever decision is made, that is the responsibility of Congress. It's not the responsibility of the president. And that's why the order should be rescinded. You know, it's interesting here. The um, president, first of all, there was a kind of funny headline on this uh, topic that was Mark Zuckerberg had made a big statement ahead of Facebook, had a big statement about how, you know, all these precious young people and, and they would they have some of them have jobs, blah, blah, blah. So someone took a spin out and said, oh, so what you're meaning is if he cancels DACA, there'd be 700,000 jobs open for American citizens. This sounds pretty good. We'll take it. So it really is a tough, I will tell you that the toughest element to me is In Obama's unconstitutional order, he did require people to register. So people came forward under this order and registering. And now that we have their names, addresses, phone numbers, mothers, and where they are, to say now we're going to cancel that, that's a toughie. But at the end of the day, you have to follow the law or otherwise you don't have America. Or as I love to say in the show, you can't have America unless you have the rule of law. We'll finish more of this right after this break. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. 
You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. You know, one time I was doing this show and I had some people, I had a round table. And on one of the breaks, we got into not not an angry argument, but a, a clear disagreement on some issues and whatever issue we were talking about. And so whoever was working the boards, I think it was before Greg was with us, it was some other person. He came in my ear and he goes, you should do this on air. Uh, I don't know, it was just because on the break we were talking, we were not arguing, we were talking about this um, DACA thing. And I, you know, I do think it's really important for everyone to understand a couple of uh, kind of equities of the situation. On the one hand, as mentioned before the break, these people were told if you register, You'll be in a protected category. If you meet all the the requirements, the criteria, you will not be deported. So they came and registered. And now they're being told, hey, now that you're registered, we know where you are. You know, we may withdraw this regulation and cancel or rescind this regulation. But, you know, so that's the equities on one side. But the equities on the other side are, just as in the case of amnesty, 
when President Reagan, back in that era, said, we're going to do amnesty. It's the last time, and after this, we're going to be really strict with immigration, and we're, and we're going to have a secure border, and we're not going to just let people come in illegally. And that was his amnesty. I've forgotten the numbers, but it was a very small number, relatively speaking. Now we have somewhere in the range of 11 to 20 million and maybe more people living, residing in the American within the American borders and don't have a legal right to be here, don't have legal status. And so they're illegal immigrants. Yes, that's what they are. But, you know, and so if you give them amnesty, then we're just going to encourage more people to enter illegally. Well, the same thing even applies to DACA. If you've got parents in these countries around the world thinking, any way I can sneak in and the kids will be here and surely they won't kick us out. I mean, there is an element of encouraging more parents to do the same kind of thing by permitting DACA to stay in place. Another equity of it all is that Paul Ryan and all the Republicans in Congress, they could have the day after DACA was signed as an executive order in June of 2012 by President Obama, they could have taken up a bill to say, you know, uh, some they could have made a legislative language out of DACA. They could have made a part of immigration law. Or they could have said it, they could have made clear, this is impermissible. These students do not, they, they could have essentially overturned President Obama's regulation with legislation. They had a lot of choices, but it's such a dicey, dicey subject that they all sat in their hands and did nothing, including Paul Ryan, who, as I mentioned before the break, has gone all over the board with all sorts of um, uh, you know, positions depending on what time of day it was or who he was talking to. And right now he's trying to say, hey, you know, President Trump, don't, don't give in to the pressure of these attorneys general. You know, just extend DACA or decline to cancel it or rescind it, and you know, we'll do something to take care of in Congress. Well, Congress does need to do a, a complete immigration reform. Congress needs to do something that makes clear. And back one more thing on DACA is whatever your status is, I think that we all have to be clear that anyone who entered this country illegally cannot have any path to citizenship other than the path already laid out that other people got in line and are following, including you cannot have a path to any status that permits you to vote. Because once the idea of all these young people becoming Democrat voters is taken off the table, the Democrat Party is not going to care one little bit about what happens legally to these young people. So at the end of the day, my two cents is I would go ahead as President Trump and fulfill a campaign promise and say, yes, DACA is ended. There is no DACA, and therefore all these people falling in that status, all these 800,000, you have no legal right to be here. You don't have the protection of DACA anymore. He doesn't have to move to immediately deport them tomorrow, but take away the, the, the unconstitutional protection President Obama gave those people and if Congress is so upset about it, wants to do something about it, then they can get themselves moving and do something about it. But don't have our country governed by unconstitutional orders. This is a core. I talk about the ideas of America. The rule of law is one of them. If you don't have the rule of law, you have the rule of men, the rule of dictators, the rule of tyrants, the rule of people like President Obama who issue order after order completely without constitutional authority. It takes away the power from the American people when we permit a, a president to do this. And so for that reason, I think Trump should go ahead and rescind and cancel this order. And I think you should in, incentivize Congress to say, look, if you want to do something different, go ahead and do it. Get moving. Let's do something comprehensive. And no matter what else happens, there cannot be the right of any of these young people to have a path to citizenship offered to them, not offered to other people who actually followed the law. It's not their fault their parents brought them here, but it's not America's fault either. Okay, so now, that's my two cents. Anything to add on that, either of you guys? 
My millennial roundtable? No. Okay. So we have too many topics, not enough time. This kind of always happens. So I guess we're going to go back to, we're going to go to Antifa. Okay. And actually, someone correct me that is Antifa. is like anti-fascist, Antifa. So on the subject of Antifa, we have a clip. And I believe Greg, my wonderful board operator, has clip one ready. This is um, Antifa. If you can't hear what they're saying, I'm going to tell you. But if we can play clip one, that'd be great. Okay, maybe you you could probably tell they're saying no Trump, no wall, no USA at all. So this is an interesting development in America, the development of this movement called Antifa. And I guess I want to start with, so one of you is at TCU, one of you is at SMU. Do you think there are there groups on your campuses that kind of are supportive or similar to Antifa? Do you think you have them here in your schools? Um, we've seen demonstrations before by um, BLM groups that are on TCU. Um, we have yet to see a um, Antifa protest or anything going on at TCU, but, you know, something could come out of the woodwork, and I wouldn't be surprised. How about SMU? At SMU, we've had very limited interactions with these extremist groups. There's been talk about uh, groups trying to form an, anti- uh, an Antifa or a BDS movement on campus, but uh, – those efforts have been stalled, and we hope to make sure that that never comes to our campus. Okay, so, you know, this is interesting. And uh, I used to call the show Ladies Can We Talk. I'm going to make this one point about women, and then I really want to talk about Antifa, and that is this. Women, I've read a lot of data about why they vote the way they do. Women want America to be fair. They want America to be just. They have compassion. And so they tend to vote to bring about fairness, compassion, and all that stuff. And so when a lot of people, women especially, but really a lot of people, watch something like the uh, white supremacist group, which is you know horrible, un-American, nothing to do with anybody, uh, protesting in Charlottesville at that Robert E. Lee statue, and then they see Antifa come along, and the media is depicting Antifa as a, you know, the Girl Scouts showing up to protest against these evil white supremacists, then... We tend to have sympathy with it. We think, well, good. Someone's standing up against white supremacists. It is so important for all of us. And what I want to spend a lot of time talking about tonight is what exactly Antifa really is. It's kind of ideological roots, what they stand for, what they do. But what you were just hearing a second ago, that that chant that was at Berkeley, these are not people who are there to encourage robust political debate in America. They are not people who are here trying to say, let's see, let's have talk about both sides of the issue of taking down Confederate statues. Let's, they, are, they are there to silence anyone who does not agree with them. And there was this amazing article. I think I sent it to you guys. I hope I did. Anyway, but there's a woman who writes at The Federalist. She actually grew up in China, and she wrote an article called How American Anarchy Parallels China's Cultural Revolution. And she draws these parallels between Antifa and what happened under Mao Zedong, the most evil, evil of China's leaders in the past and brought about the Cultural Revolution. She compares China's Cultural Revolution was triggered by a group of students at Beijing University. They got themselves all wound up. They were worshipful of China's communist dictator Mao and his socialist communist ideology. And Chairman Mao realized he could use them. He could use them to 
put, to get the people under control to as a political tool to purge his enemies and shape society to his own liking. And this woman writes a very intellectual seven-page article basically saying, this is what Antifa is in America. This is the leftist mentality that has permeated the Democrat Party. She doesn't talk about Democrats. She talks about left-wingers. But this notion that we will use the mob and violence and threats to shut you down. So do you think that's too an extreme an analogy? What do you guys think about that? Well, uh, real quick, one thing that actually just came across on Matt's cell phone is uh, that via Politico, they just broke the news that Trump has decided to revoke DACA. Hey, all right. Say so he was listening probably. He was probably <laughs> listening to the show. That's right. Okay, go ahead. Uh, but <laughs> but to that point about uh, about Antifa and about uh, the Cultural Revolution, you know, I, I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination because, you know, we live in interesting times, and I think that anybody can harness uh, particularly the energy and efforts of young people. I think that we're extremely success- susceptible to that right now because we aren't we're a generation that's not thinking for themselves for the most part, and we really need to be able to think for ourselves, think critically. And so, you know, I do think that that's within reason. Okay, I couldn't agree more, and I, I hate saying that. I also hate saying that these people keep making me stop talking and go to breaks, but I guess we have to have a break here. We come back, we're going to pick up again. Antifa, you really need to know this stuff, so come right back. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. 
America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. Can you hear us now? Can you hear and welcome back to America. Can we talk? I'm Debbie Georgettis. I got my millennial roundtable here tonight because it's first Sunday of the month. And I have Matt Van Hefty and Drew Wicker. Okay, so we were talking before the break. And I just want to say this again. Anything we talk about, you can go to my website, americacanwetalk.org. I post links to all these articles. Also on our Facebook page, we have great discussions on America Can We Talk. You can also listen to this show. If you're listening uh, on your radio or online, you can listen at Facebook Live, where we put it out on Facebook Live every week at America Can We Talk. Okay, so we're talking about this thing. I want to impress you again with this thought. This is an American citizen who grew up in China, and she's writing about how the Antifa movement, or Antifa, Antifa, whatever it is, anti-fascist is the name of it. The most fascist group in America, Antifa, is has similarities to what she learned and saw in China under Mao Zedong when she realized that the, the socialist elders were influencing the young people to stir up their country and and keep people in a perpetual state of agitation, accusation. And she is saying Antifa is the same thing. But I want to tell you, well, there's another great article. It was also in Federalist, and um, it's also posted. And she, this article is called America's Post, excuse me, America's Post-Charlottesville Nervous Breakdown Was Deliberately Induced. And the reason why I even talk about this, and, and we didn't talk about Antifa in particular, but this writer is making the point that you know, we, these innocent, sweet Americans, we look and see on television or online, we say, oh, that's interesting. There's a protest here, and someone thinks a statue should come down, and somebody else thinks the statue should stay, and they're mad at each other or something. What she's talking about is the agitation 
of the American people is induced by those who benefit from it. And she talks about three different kind of things that are be, that are happening in America. And when you read this, you realize, I mean, you know that whole feeling like you don't want to be had, you don't want to be taken you don't want to be manipulated. We are being manipulated if we think America is in this deep racial strife that the, the media keeps painting. Because the truth is, America is much more like the crowds at Hurricane Harvey who are there protecting and helping and nurturing and loving their neighbors. That's America this mess the left has, has created in this country with the, the violence between Antifa and and white separate, white supremacists who are also crazy. This is contrived. And one thing she makes, and I, maybe you guys don't think this is as loaded language as I do, but this person is making the point that the way that the techniques used to work people into a frenzied, work society into frenzied disdain and distrust of each other talks about manipulation of language using language that is loaded. One is alt-right. I mean, that's a new term this year. And it's, I mean, it's oddly, it's creepy. You, you, okay, so, like, what is alt-right? What do you guys th- think it means? Alt-right is as someone who would identify as an individual that would be, you know, conser- far conservative. You know, a conservative um, Republican, um, just a straight-up conservative, or someone that is the opposite of a communist socialist liberal. <laughs> so. That kind of covers a lot of people. <laughs> but, I mean, I think alt-right. Do you have a different thought about alt-right? Alt-right, uh, you know, it, and it's weird because it also incorporates visions of the alt-left. Um, yes. I believe that it's more of the nationalist socialist movement that you see within the 1930s in particular with Mussolini and with Hitler. Um, I identify those as alt-right. As alt-right? As alt-right. Okay. I want to just say this term, and we can get back to that. The other point this article is making, and the reason I want to talk about this, I, I just can't encourage you strong enough. When you see things on television, online, on you know whatever you're watching, social media, recognize that there are forces that think they benefit from America being divided and angry and suspicious and resentful of each other. People politically benefit from that. One other term that has become trendy right now is the term woke. W-O-K-E, woke. And there's a hashtag, stay woke, stay angry. And what has happened since Donald Trump was elected and the American left has figured out that they're not going to continue the march of America down the road to socialism because Hillary lost and they are the American people are newly reinvigorated with love of freedom and liberty and they want it they they love the America first idea and they love the idea of a strong president defending our country and they love the idea of freedom and they love the idea of getting the EPA out of everybody's backyard and getting the government out of our healthcare system they love this this resurgence of liberty and this is a crushing of what the left wing goal in this country has been for decades so left wing not to be not ever able to sell their ideas to the American public, most, if you think most left-wing ideas get brought, get inflicted in the American public, either through court decisions or through uh, regulatory agencies in Washington. But this point about this language is, this is a tactic to keep Americans agitated, confused, and suspicious. One particular one, this is, uh, this woke, I mean, all of a sudden you, you read this everywhere, you know, stay woke, stay angry. 
The idea of woke, this writer was talking about the idea, it actually means to stay programmed, to see everything or everything around you as an evil conspiracy, white supremacy, slavery, Confederate flags, behind every bush there's somebody targeting you. Be alert all the time because you're surrounded by your enemies. I mean, I thought this was brilliant. I, maybe you guys disagree, but I thought that was a really insightful observation about what's happened to our political culture. People think they are staying awake by being suspicious of their fellow Americans. I mean, do you guys even hear this stay woke stuff talk on your campus? or uh, Not necessarily on my campus, but, I mean, you know, you hear it across many different campuses that are much more far to the left than at least TCU is. But it's, you know, it's an ongoing cultural phenomenon right now with a bunch of communist snowflakes who are angry <laughs> with how they're being told, um, how they're just not getting their way, so they're throwing a tantrum. It's absolutely true. I got to tell you, you mentioned snowflakes. This this authorized, too, about this coordinated mob violence. I mean, America, you even look back to Trump's campaign. I, I was not a Trump supporter in the primary, but, you know, I certainly was a student of politics and watching his campaigns, his rallies, and all these protesters. That's kind of when it started to me, this, this kind of incensed anger, not just counter-protesters waving signs, say, I support Hillary, I support Bernie, but just this notion that, Trump supporters were be to attack or were to be attacked, maligned, just you know, physically attacked, and, and you know, it, I I just think the whole political conversation is so stirred up, and it it is not because of Trump. It's a reaction to Trump by the American left. They're saying you cannot come along and change this country. We had us marching down socialism, and who do you think you are? And so this visceral anger we see in so many context in America, I think, you know, you can get sucked into it and fight back. But I do think, in fact, Drew, you're making a point, I think it was on the break. I don't think it was on air. This this point about, you know, the Antifa protesters are violent and horrible. White supremacism is violent and horrible. And maybe the outcome can be something good out of it, but that everyone kind of dislikes that. Yeah. From what I've seen in my discussions with both people on the right, the left, and what I've even seen on social media is not the negativity that we would see in, you know, that's talked about in the article for the Cultural Revolution, or I think that's what w- uh, what people hoped um, would come out of this Antifa riot. It was, I, I, I see more people coming together. And what people, I think, need to realize is that the nation looks at this and everybody's appalled. We should condemn white supremacism just as much as we do Antifa. And I think that most people realize that that is not what America is for. America is America is great because America is good. And we need to restore that. And we need to restore that image. And I think that this is an opportunity for everybody to come together. And I think that more people see that the that the extremes are much smaller. They shout louder than everybody else and they get more attention than everybody else. But the middle is much larger and that's where we should strive to work together to make sure that these extreme elements do not gain a foothold in our society. You know, I think I said this in the break, but I think that, you know, I was trying to look it up too, and I couldn't find any real numbers, but, you know, the flat earth society actually exists in America. Like people who still claim they believe the earth is flat. I don't know if they do it for a joke or if it's real, but I honestly think there might be more flat earth society believers than there are supremacists. Uh, Honestly, it's white supremacists. I mean, it is a lunatic fringe. It has no affiliation to any political party. I refuse. They are not the right. And they're just not. If you're a white supremacist, you have nothing to do with conservative which is all about respect for all individuals. The other thing I wanted to mention, though, on this whole subject of watching what's happening to America's 
political conversation, political culture, our dialogue. We just, the other language repeatedly used is a hater. You're a hater. If you don't agree with my view on marriage or on life or on whatever the issue is, it's not just that the left will say, well, you know, I really disagree and here are my three points I'd like to make. It is, you're a hater. You don't agree with me on X. You don't agree with me pull down these Confederate statues. You're a hater. And so we have we've become, it, it's worse now, I think it's been in decades. And this is very deliberate. And I want to mention one thing before we go to the break, and then we can talk about more after the break. But in this same, in this article where this person's talking about watching how being manipulated, she talks about how even Lenin, Vladimir Lenin, wrote about, as he was trying to bring the uh, communist revolution to Russia, wrote about the use of the media, and the media had to be part of this effort to keep people angry and agitated. A collective, they had to be collective propagandists. They had to be collective, collectivist agitators. More on that after the break. We're watching it now, folks. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There is a lot of talk today among media, in academia, in our culture, about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. 
program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I got to tell you, folks, I don't know where the time goes every week, but I love talking with you every Sunday. It's the fastest two hours of my week, every week. And I do want to also take a moment to thank our sponsor. This show, America Can We Talk, is sponsored by GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Could not do the show without them. Very, very grateful for them. Okay, so we have, we were before the break, we're on the subject of Antifa, Antifa. I'm going to say Antifa because someone told me that someone's scholarly, they should just say Antifa. But, you know, one other point, and then we're going to get to hearing what's happening in their campuses, but this is, was such a good point to think about. You know, we think, we assume, like in America, the Tea Party was very organic. My husband and I got involved in this, this Tea Party effort, you know, we... Um, during the time it got started, because we didn't like, with the growth of the power of the federal government, we didn't like the bailouts by President Obama's administration. We didn't like the impending takeover of the health care system. Very organic, neighbor to neighbor, friend to friend. The American left is a far more contrived, organized, not organic movement. Occupy Wall Street was not organic. It was funded by George Soros and other left-wing big shots. Antifa, I think we're going to be very clear, uh, and we're going to find out very clearly, is a funded effort to keep America agitated. I want to make, tell you this point this writer was making, which really relates to what we're trying to talk about tonight is don't take at face value what the, the left is claiming about America. Totalitarians throughout history, Marx, Lenin, Stalin, Mao, Castro— they count on mob mobilization. They count on the idea of keeping the masses agitated, um, and they use the mass media to do that. They get the mass media on their side. So, for example, it took the longest time before America realized that actually the Charlottesville um, riot, there were very violent people on the Antifa crowd, in the Antifa crowd who brought weapons, who used weapons, this is not a defense of the white supremacists who are just evil to the core and have no place in America at all, in anywhere in America. 
but the media allowed that event to be to erupt. The media, um, the police stayed back, allowed the the agitation to occur. Same thing in Berkeley. In Berkeley, they had a big battle because the president of Berkeley this year was saying they're going to dedicate the school year to freedom of speech and protecting freedom of all speech. The mayor of Berkeley told the police department to stand down, which led to the riots and beating that you were hearing when Antifa was that chant I was playing a moment ago. It was Antifa chanting that, you know, basically, and, and recognize what they're saying, no USA at all. These people are at their core anti-American. They're not, they're not for anything good. The police stood down at the direction of the mayor of Berkeley. And so this is part of what this article is talking about is the media reports half the story. The people in the American left in power do not wish to have the, um, you know, the uh, voices of freedom and, and liberty and conservatism that are rising in America. They do not want those voices heard. And Nancy Pelosi by the way, recently, she, she, you know, Antifa is her people. These are her peeps. But she actually said, if they're violent, I think they should be arrested. So we were talking in the break. What got to her? You know, I don't know. It's um, Nancy Pelosi has been always a lawn supporter of bashing the right. And what's the what the left is good at is saying that they're fighting for free speech. But then when people on the right try to say what they want to say, they bash them for bigotry and hatred, and that's exactly what we had to go through at TCU, and that's why I created with other with help the Freedom Frog um, to kind of you know try to fight back for conservatives to use as a quote unquote weapon or watchdog to you know let students know that what these people are saying is not the truth. I mean, this is you know they're attacking your freedom of speech, and here we can explain why. So I mean, this is a phenomenon going across all college campuses. It's one of the things that I'm very passionate about is you know fighting to get our free speech, which is constitutionally given to us. And we are not getting that under a liberal or democratic regime, no matter what. Okay, for our listeners in Peoria, Illinois, and Columbus, Georgia, TCU is Texas Christian University. And just briefly, you formed a group outside of the protection of, or outside of the auspices of TCU, to do what? To correct what you're reading in student yes, publications? Yes. Um, um, with the assistance of two of my friends, Ashley Sherman and Bill Scott, we created what is called the Freedom Frog, www.thefreedomfrog.com. And it is a con- online conservative news publication um, designed to counter the TCU administrated, um, administration-funded student media. So that would be TCU 360, uh, Politifrog, or the 109, which are student um, newspapers. And we were sick of the amount of bias, um, specifically liberal bias, that was presented in just campus news. And when they attempted to cover national or state news, they would put that bias on there, too. And that's not fair to the, um, to the majority of the student population at TCU because, uh, for the most part, the majority of our student population leans to the right. They're Republican. And that's not represented in our media. And it's not represented in our student government either. So we try to create this to try to you know provide another point of view, another outlook for students who actually want to hear the truth that is not given a false liberal bias to get that news, whether you're a student or a community member. I love that, actually. Okay, so, Drew, you're at SMU. Do you feel like the student publications there are liberal, or do you feel like there's a good balance there? I mean, how do you feel things are at SMU that way? You know, I think that We've come a long way in the last couple of years. I think that predominantly whenever I first got on campus as a freshman, it was heavily liberal, um, especially in our student leadership as well as with our student publications. And I think that in the course of 
you know, starting Young Americans for Freedom, as well as getting the college Republicans back where they need to be on campus and starting other conservative organizations and starting really a movement. Um, I think that we've really done a great job of promoting leaders and voices and cultivating uh, resources and writers and student leaders who will speak up for us. And so we've actually decided to go a little bit of a different route, and we felt that those papers weren't beyond saving. And so we started working with people who had those talents and started working on getting them plugged into those organizations, into those opportunities. And to add on to that, Drew has started something that was is a great idea where he's, um, you know, politicized part of his student government association to the point where, you know, because student government is the source of campus organizations funding. Okay. And for examples at TCU, when we asked to bring um, speakers, for example, Alan West, we tried to bring him um, two years ago. He costs, you know, however many money, and they would give us a percentage of that as an insult. So if we asked for $10,000 to bring a speaker, they would give us $100. <laughs> it's on purpose like that. And we created the Freedom Frog independently with our own money to get self-donated and everything from local GOP groups. Because if we did it through TCU, first of all, they probably would have never allowed it. And second, they would not give us the funding we needed because they are trying to put down um, conservative speakers in this case because the administration and um, faculty members alike do not want to have that on campus because they're suppressing free speech. And yeah, go ahead. So what I was just going to say is politicizing it was simply the fact of we felt and saw a need, especially in our student government, that it was heavily leaning towards the left and there were simply no conservatives that just chose to run. And so it literally just boiled down to me just saying in a college Republicans meeting, guys, we just got an email today that student Senate has openings apply. People started applying. Now we've flipped what was probably a two thirds majority of liberals to a conservative majority. We also helped elect an entire student exec slate that is conservative that we endorse over people that were very much Bernie supporters. And it, we, we feel that our school is back on track simply because we ask people to step up and run. That's the hardest step is just for people to put themselves out there and choose to take a stand. I love that. You know, Greg, we have clip two. Yeah, clip two. Um, and it's going to sound a little off. You wonder why I'm doing this. But this is uh, General Mattis. He gave a speech that just melted people. And it's a little clip which ties in what you just said. If we, Believe can... me, I know you're far from home, every one of you. I know you could all be going to college, you young people, or you could be back on the block, uh, just uh, grateful. The only way the only way this great big experiment you call, you and I call America is going to survive is if we've got uh, tough hombres like you. By and time, you're a great example for our country right now. It's got some problems. You know it and I know it. It's got problems that we, won't, we don't have in the military. And you just, you just hold the line, my fine young soldiers, sailors, airmen. That was General Mattis, and I've forgotten where he was. Jordan, I don't know where he was, but he's talking to American troops, and it was just last week, and someone had recorded on their phone, so it's not a fabulous uh, recording quality, but that hold the line line that General Mattis said. I was thinking about how it applies to so many things we talked about tonight and really so many things that Americans need to do. You know, this concept of the military, God bless them wherever they were and all the places they go and fight, they hold the line for us. But, you know, here at home in America, this notion, I say it so often, but every generation has the job of preserving liberty. 
every because the the tendency in human history is for power grabbers, people who want to control other people, to continue to press to do that. America was unique ex, unique experiment in all of world history. The idea of committing a country to the individual liberty of each person to say you have the right to pursue your dreams, your happiness, your life, liberty, pursue your ver- version of happiness. Government's job is not to control you; it is to keep America safe. It is to keep America to to give everyone the opportunities to each individual develop themselves to the best of their ability and follow their dreams. But that notion of living, letting power live in the individual only can stay in place, only can remain our guiding principle if every generation, to use the expression of General Mattis, holds the line. Says no, for the in the example of the, you, you two at TCU and SMU, wherever you are, you know, hold the line because the people who want to repress speech, the people who want to turn the country or turn their institution into more of a, a, an institution that silences or squashes or tries to mold and shape you into some other, into their worldview. The notion of Antifa. Antifa is a huge example. Uh, it's, it's very much like the Chairman Mao Red Guard is an example of what happened in countries where the people do not have the spirit of liberty to stand up and speak up. So in America today, we have multitudes of challenges, whether it is immigration policy or DACA policy or border policy or refugee policy or tax policy. All of those, all those policies and ideas, they all have roots in America. They are all rooted somehow to the idea, do we in this country hold on to liberty, fight for it in every aspect of our life, or do we say, you know what, it's just easier to concede? Because one thing we were saying earlier was how when you get pressure from a group like Antifa, pressure from the American left calling you a hater and a racist and all the other names they come up with, it can silence people, and the left knows this. Our job, our job as Americans is to speak up and stand up for this great country every day of our lives. This is Debbie George Ass, America We Talk. Come back next week. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America. America.